0: Welcome to another Mind Body Story, the podcast that explores the connection between your mind and body and inspires you to embrace your authentic self. Whether you're seeking healing, personal growth, or a new perspective, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Anna Stefan, also known as the Align Body Coach, and I'm so excited to be your guide here. Join me as we connect with educators, mentors, and everyday people who have discovered the healing power of movement, meditation, or self-awareness. Get ready to feel connected and inspired. In today's episode, I chat with one of my favourite yoga teachers, Susie Murray, or as I call her, the Vinyasa Queen in Dublin. And we talk about her journey to becoming a teacher, falling in love with Vinyasa, and what it means for her. And we talk about creativity, about the challenge of the practice uh, on the mat, outside of the mat. Such an interesting conversation. I cannot wait for you to hear this. Hi Susie, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. We're going to start with a quick introduction. So, just tell us a little bit who you are
1: and where are you based and what you do. Okay, so my name is Susie. I'm a yoga teacher that predominantly teaches vinyasa in Dublin. Lots of drop-in classes and courses, but I also teach Pilates, I'm a reformer bar. And um, I like to teach retreats, which are always. So much fun! I do them in France and Portugal and Spain, and then one of probably the things that takes over most of my life are the teacher trainings. I run two hundred hour teacher trainings, and I'm also part of advanced three hundred hour. So yeah, full time yoga, Pilates, and bar.
0: (laughs) Very good. Uh, That's a lot of movement, and also I love that the first thing you said in your introduction was, "I teach. I'm a yoga teacher and teach predominantly vinyasa." Um, I think it's a good idea to to say what Vinyasa is at this point. Not all our listeners are uh, familiar mm. with that.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I, I kind of always clarify pretty quickly that it's Vinyasa what I teach mostly. And um, so it's basically just this style of yoga. When people understand the practice of yoga, they Usually think of it as a an asana based practice, but there is a whole scope of different practices and disciplines to it. And vinyasa is a style of hatha yoga, so basically just means to well, it specifically means to place in a special way. Which I love that translation to it because it really emphasizes the the method behind it. Uh, a lot of people will just understand it to be like, oh, it's the flow style of yoga, and um, that it tends to. Vary from class to class, which it does, but there is a little bit more of a, a method and a discipline behind it. I think. Um, when I first started getting into yoga practice, I would go to just whatever yoga class I could find, and then I got very quickly attracted to ashtanga, which is similar to vinyasa in, but it has this, you know, a very strict, disciplined sequence to it. Um, and I really always credited to. Teaching me that um, discipline to the practice, but then I kind of gradually navigated towards vinyasa, which I find a bit more um, freeing and creative and reflective of uh, whatever emotions and moods I'm moving through.
0: So you really identify. I mean, your your style of living with that style of movement and and breathing. And yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I feel like you just you know, you kind of go into a practice and often you are bringing what you're holding in the day onto your mat and you're kind of processing a lot of that kind of stuff. But also then when you step off your mat, you're bringing that same understanding and knowledge and wisdom into your day. So they kind of, you know, yeah, one another I love
0: that because we're going to talk about the off the mat as well later mm-hmm. on. Uh, but I'm curious um, to know how you started and how you got to to where you are today. The Vinyasa Queen, <laughs> I'll say it, <laughs> even if it makes you blush, <laughs> because um, that's the word around, you know, you're you're the best at what you do. Um, oh, so I just. You, you know, love it. Yeah, a little bit.
1: <laughs> 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 no, um, no. Uh, so I got into movement initially through dance Um, I, from a very, very young age was obsessed with like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers and any kind of um, movement and always loved, um, you know, musicals and pantomimes and, you know, dance classes, like, you know, first class I would be in like, you know, our talent shows in school. I've been like, i can got to dance that I created. And I was very kind of, um, I I loved even choreographing as a a kid, you know. So I had like a a strong desire to be a dancer And when I grew up. And when I finished school, I went and studied dance, first in Dublin, uh, and then I moved down to Cork um, at the and Crane Centre. And that was great up until I hurt my knee and it became quite difficult. And it wasn't like a real instant like bang of my knee and something was hurt. It was real gradual. Um, I very much kind of put it down to maybe the, my my hips and my, and my plies, my turnout. So it was something that became quite tricky for me. And I made quite a snap judgment. I mean, this is the 90s. So like I didn't really have a huge amount of body awareness, even though I was doing a lot of movement. And um, But I made a bit of a snap adjust, um decision to pull the plug on it. And... Um, changed my direction into, well, first of all, I went and studied, um, well, I didn't study, I went and worked in uh, admin positions and then I went to Aer Lingus and I worked as cabin crew for a little while and then I went back to college and I studied English literature and then um, I got back into kind of the office work and started going to yoga classes and at first I was like, I don't know if they're going to work for me because my knee, you know, I was still kind of carrying this belief that my knee was kind of holding me back from what I wanted to do, but it really opened up a whole new kind of world to me. And like it really kind of brought me home, I think, to myself. And um, now at that point I was kind of, I kind of tied myself to a different, a different path. Like I had bought a house, I was in a committed relationship, I was like, Going down, Done the grown-up thing. Yeah, you know. And then I was like, ah, I've changed my mind. <laughs> I think I'm going to leave. So, I sold everything and I went and started traveling. And um, and it was it was quite a scary kind of move initially because I hadn't really gone traveling all that much on my own. And all of a sudden, I was like packing for India and then going to New Zealand and uh, Singapore. And you know, amazing. Bahrain. And uh, I was. I was saying to you before, like, I remember that time I was in Bali and uh, every time I was in an airport, I came across like a book called Eat, Pray, Love. And just reading the back of it was enough for me to like eye roll and be like, oh, God. <laughs> like, <laughs> same, same. Yeah. Same. Another, you know, somebody finding their journey and following their path and everything. And I was just like, oh, that sounds really irritating. I'm not reading that. And then when I was in Sydney Airport, I picked it up and I was like, "Okay, fuck it, I'll read it." And I was like, "Oh man, I just can relate to this story so much." (laughs) Plus, Elizabeth Gilbert was a really good writer and very clever, and uh, so I kind of feel like that was the little period of time where I did my own kind of Eat Pray Love, yeah. yeah. As much as I'm like, "Oh, it's it's such a I don't know, it's a bit of a rom com," and I like to like parallel my life to that, but. Anyway, moving on, I kind of um continue just, you know, studying and practicing um yoga and it became So you
0: started yoga when when you were working in the office? Yeah. and then decided okay, I want to know more about you were training. I,
1: I had done a little bit of it when I was in college. Just there was a course there, then I went to it and I was like, yeah, you know, this is okay. And my sister um had gotten gotten big into yoga and she had done her training as well and she kept saying to me, I really think you'd like this. And I was like, I don't think so, you know, because I was like, you know, I I like dance, you know, and this is not really what it is. So were you still
0: dancing on the side? Were you still doing bit, anything yeah. with dance or you just called I, Turkey? I, I
1: called Turkey it? for a couple of years. And then um, I think I was like 26. Yeah, I was 26 and I started going to dance classes over in um, Dunleary. What was the school called? Was it College of Dance? Can't remember. Over in Dunleary anyway. And um, I loved it. And there was a dance teacher there, contemporary, and she was just amazing. and um, and then I started doing yoga classes as well. Cause I was just, yeah, I was just I was getting more and more interested in different types of movement. And it was around then that I stumbled into a vinyasa class. And I was like, Holy shit, this is this, this is like, <laughs> like dance. This yeah. This is yeah. the practice I I am meant to do. So um yeah, it became a part of my everyday life. You know, I was going to when I was still working in the office, I was going to classes um, at 7 a.m. And then I was finishing my job and going to classes at 6 p.m., you know, and just couldn't really get enough of it. And I often feel like that first year or two when your practice strikes a chord with you, you um, you know, you see the biggest changes, you see the the most transformation for me definitely like that first 2 years of practice was like really transformational and really in in a,
0: in in what way so um, yes the physical part of doing yoga but in physically how it, did it change you it
1: Brought me back into my body, like I mean, not like okay, physically, I felt just joyous for being able to to move without the knee pain as well. Yeah, it really kind of uh, supported my knee, and um, but it it just made me feel so much more myself, you know. It gave me a stronger sense of identity and what I wanted, and uh, and it was just a huge
0: relief. Wow, Um, very mm. very interesting. Yeah. So that all that happened in two years, pretty much. And did you just quit your job and start teaching? No,
1: yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I, I when I decided to go traveling, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to quit my job. And I was like, see, ya, because I, you know, I did not love it. <laughs> yeah. It was OK, but it was um, just a way to pay the bills. Um. So when I came back from traveling, I was like, oh, I better I better get a job. And I started looking for work and couldn't really get it. And um, but what I did pick up was, a, you know, yoga class here and there. And um, actually, I got a job with Crunch Fitness. I think Crunch Fitness are around anymore. I don't know if they are. but never heard of them. Just a gym. There was a gym in um, Aston Key. There was one in Dun There was one somewhere else, Castle Lock, maybe. And they gave me ten classes a week. Which and they paid me really badly. <laughs> but it didn't matter, you know. Suddenly I was busy with classes yeah. and I could pick up a few more here and there. And um, you know, then the the idea of getting a, a, a full-time job and teaching yoga in the side just wasn't an option, you know, because yeah, I just had too many classes, you know, and they just started building and building. That's brilliant. How long ago was this? So when I came back, first... I was um I was 30 when I came back from traveling, um, which, oh, Jesus, was 15 years ago. <laughs>
0: Doing the maths is not.
1: <laughs> we don't want to say the full number.
0: It's a very long time ago. Uh,
1: so, uh, yeah, so well, 15 years ago. So you've been uh, teaching
0: vinyasa since. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever tried to change to have you ever taught different styles for a long period of time or?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think with with vinyasa, like it never feels like I'm teaching the same thing you know like the, the time of day makes it feel different the the students who come in make it feel different you know um there's different themes and intentions you bring into it um i have of course taught hatha and um restorative um i'm also yin trained so i have taught yin um, they're not my like go to and often, to be honest, like if somebody came to me and said, I'm looking for a restorative teacher or I'm looking for a yin teacher, I'd probably recommend them. Somebody I know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But so, yeah, I mean, I feel I've got a a nice. You know, variety of uh, styles that I can kind of learn from and teach from. And
0: how does Vinyasa really to um, to your personality, basically, and to that uh, love for dance. Do you feel like you're still also do you feel like if you hadn't hurt your knee, you'd be a dancer right now or you still you think that journey would have still gone towards where you are now?
1: Yeah, it's actually really interesting to wonder that. Um, but I I think actually I would have gone this direction anyway. Um one thing I learned about myself through yoga was that I don't think the performance of dance ever really appealed to me that much. Um, I didn't really care if I was in the front row or the back row, if I had a solo piece or not. Um, I was just
0: just the very, like...
1: yeah, caught up in the expression and the creativity of it, and the the demand to be present when you're dancing, you know. Mm. Um, so. I think when I was dancing, I kind of thought, oh, yeah, I must I must be one of those people who wants to be on stage. But actually, then once I started practicing yoga and I started teaching yoga, particularly, I was like, yeah, it was there was something else I was attracted to in dance. Yeah.
0: It was never about the stage. It was about that yeah. creativity and movement and feeling when you move. So so you get that from Vinyasa and you're mm-hmm. very creative. Would you say you're creative off the mat as well?
1: Uh, oh, God, I don't think so. I'd love to say I am, but I am. I don't think so. I mean, I think everybody is creative and I think to a certain degree, everybody is, you know, has that kind of own their own artist quality. And it's something that you really should tap into. I definitely feel that, you know, we have as a society kind of like we regard art in such a way that if you don't have this amazing skill to it, that maybe you have no business doing it, which I think is so wrong. You know, like, you know, when you see these like, gorgeous period pieces of films and that you know women and men were supposed to just all be able to sing, all be able to, you know, play a you know, musical instrument, all be able to paint. And it wasn't that they were good, but it was just a skill that they worked at, regardless of their talent. And I kind of feel we've kind of lost that to some degree. Like I can't sing, but feck it, I'm gonna sing all the time anyway. Yeah. You know because exactly. It's yeah. just so much fun and it's it's still creative. And um, so I mean, when you ask somebody or you a a person, I feel, you know, we genuinely, I de- de- definitely kind of jump to like, well, I'm not. What does I'm it mean to be creative? It, you mm-hmm. know, I'm creative, but I'm not good. <laughs> so I definitely like I love writing um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm creative in my yoga practice and my sequencing. Um, and I, I think, yeah, I think that there is an element of that, but the same way that there is in everybody. It's just like tapping into it yeah yeah exactly exactly and
0: so speaking of off the mat and taking that creativity off the mat how do people benefit from vinyasa movement from vinyasa yoga like we know movement in general yoga practices in general but what does vinyasa have that's like how do you benefit from it if you stick with it for a while I'd say and I just drop into a class here and there
1: I mean, I suppose I can't really speak for everybody's own experiences, but I think for me, it was, um, it kind of opens up the, well, for me, it opens up a lot of the physical direction that you can move, that you, it changes um, your your perception about how you look at things, how you move around. It challenges you to take risks by um, multidirectional flows, by stepping backwards, by and um, you know bringing in inversions and um, it brings you to a point actually there was a lady this morning in her in my class and she was saying she really enjoyed the class but she was saying that sometimes she finds that she can hit like a little bit of frustration and I was like that's brilliant yes that's perfect that's exactly what I want you to get to because I don't want people to kind of come in it's not about creating a, a comfort zone but it's about you know um challenging you in this kind of unpredictable format and um, to get to a point of frustration and to get to a point where like oh this isn't this isn't working this isn't clicking for me and um, so I have to do something about it so I have to like you know breathe into this space and change something something has to change in order for this to work because you know and I, I say it all the time in my classes that don't expect to come in and do 60 minutes of flow. That's not what it is, because when you flow, you move at something that you're really good at. You kind of you move with ease and you have you, you are familiar with it. And a lot of the times in vinyasa, you may not be familiar with the sequence that's lying or have the
0: ease have the that ease. comes with practice. Yeah.
1: And it's about just kind of coming up and meeting those challenges and breathing through them and sticking with it and finding, you know, a little bit of friction to kind of, um to until you find that you can reshape your practice. And I think, you know, you learn so much of that uh, discomfort on the mat that the challenges that you meet outside of the mat then, you know, are kind of replicated. You're like, oh, well, actually, it, it's just a challenge. It's just frustration. It's just a little bit of stress. And I can definitely learn and grow and change and adapt.
0: I love that. Um- how important it is, so speaking of frustration, speaking of um, being uncomfortable on the mat and and learning to sit with that and be okay in acceptance, how important it is then to feel joy as well in movement. You talk a lot about that, uh, especially on social media, about joyful movement. And I can see from your videos, from your practice, that, that Vinyasa brings you so much joy mm. and that type of movement is what brings you joy um, but how do you mix the two in, let's say, a class where people may feel discomfort at the same time or frustration at the same time?
1: Yeah, because um, I think if you when you what you can also experience is when you come up against challenges is resistance. And I'm I'm like I like most yoga teachers I know, we've all experienced is somebody walking out of your class. Oh, absolutely. But also,
0: how many times have I wanted to walk out of a class? Yeah. Oh, my God. Especially my first yin class. The resistance. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm Ashtanga Vinyasa trained. Here I go into a yin yoga class. Uh, where you lie down most of the time. Mm. It's stressful on the joints. It's painful sometimes. It's uncomfortable. And it takes forever. It feels like a three hour. So I wanted to walk out of that class. I didn't because I thought it was the nice thing to do. But yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: And it's really interesting because so many times when we come up um, against resistance towards something, we end up meeting resistance with resistance, mm. you know, uh, and and then like kind of doubling our work in front of us. So I think um, if we can just create more softness you know and when so when you come up against that in you know a yin practice or a yang practice and you feel that like resistance it's really enlightening um illuminating if you can soften your resistance to the resistance
0: <laughs> <Do> you know <laughs> soften your resistance to it but how you you have to have a certain level of awareness mm to know that you're resisting in the yeah. first
1: place. Yeah, because what comes up for you is distraction. You start thinking, I don't like this. I don't like this teacher. What is she <laughs> saying that for? She's
0: so stupid. <laughs> yeah,
1: I could, that could happen. Yeah, but that's OK. Um, you know, I think as a teacher, you, you have to put on that little kind of uh, armor, that little suit of armor and be like, that's OK. You can say that stuff. know oh absolutely there's no
0: there's no one size fits all when it comes to yoga and especially there's no one teacher and I I I heard many people actually say that but I experience it myself you don't find yoga you find your teacher and then somehow you stay with that teacher and then you want to know more yeah uh, sometimes so I think it's it's very
1: personal as well finding a teacher is really important like with my teacher trainees like it's the first thing I said to them this year I was like you know Like, please try to find one teacher that you like and stick with them, you know, because if you're dropping in and out, it's great to have the variety. But um, you learn so much more from the person you keep returning to.
0: Speaking of dropping in and out, like yoga used to be a a practice where you would go to your teacher and just practice for a few years. And and now with this drop in, drop out, how, how does that change the effect that yoga or vinyasa can have? Um, can have on, on students
1: I think it's really tricky because I love the fact that it's so widespread and so available for people to have that and I mean I don't have you know a class pass to any one particular teacher at the moment I have a, a couple of online teachers that I usually kind of stick with but um, like once it comes to Dublin I love that you can drop into a studio and then go to another one the following week however I, I, I don't think it's um, super beneficial you know Um and I see it a lot. Uh, if students come in and I haven't met them before, I can, and they're like, "Oh no, no, I've been practicing a long time. I go to this studio, then I go to that studio, and I've tried this class." And then once they start practicing, it's like, "Oh, do you know what? It doesn't reflect, hmm. you know, your your movement practice, and um, doesn't reflect that you you've been to a steady, you know, training or a steady teacher, you know." Yeah, so,
0: exactly.
1: And it's lovely exactly. to pick up lots of little little bits and different opinions and influences It's lovely it's really nice but again that's why I think I always credit Ishtanga for giving me that core practice and discipline at the beginning of my my kind of um, practice. How many times can you say practice in a podcast? Uh,
0: (laughs) Apparently lots of times because otherwise what would you call it I love that we call every movement practice Yeah now so yoga off the mat then how do you practice um What's your what does your day look like in terms of um, we we know that yoga doesn't mean just asana or just Mm -hmm. movement. So what other um, parts of yoga do you practice at home? What others do you encourage or teach?
1: So usually I I try to keep up my daily practice. Um, It doesn't happen daily. (laughs) Um, But I if I have like an early morning class, I probably won't get something done um, at home. But if I but if I get up and I'm at home, it's the first thing I'll do. Just a, kind of a small, simple um, sequence uh, just to kind of wake up and prepare my body. Um, I like to kind of do a little bit. I, w- I don't think of it as like particularly cleansing techniques, but I do like to do uh, a little bit. I remember going to Kundalini class. They were saying that um, what's it called again? That tongue the, brushing being really tongue brushing yeah so i like to do that as part of my practice very feel, good till your eyes okay. and uh um and i just keep which it really... is the type of breathing yeah. yeah yeah and then like um i'll keep it really simple uh, and then i'll keep my meditation practice for the evening just before bed but um if i'm working on something particularly like if i'm working on inversions that's usually a kind of a, a midday thing between classes, especially if I got access to a studio. So I'll use the space there to kind of work on the harder kind of stuff.
0: What what happens when you work? And then here comes the idea about about vinyasa, I've heard sometimes is challenging. And yes, uh, if you don't have a regular practice, it, it can be challenging. Um, what happens when you go to that limit? When you go to that challenge? When you get into those intricate movements and you challenge your brain as well with the three D movement? What? How does that help you on off the mat? The challenge of it, the the difficult poses, the inversions.
1: Um, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. So what's really... the, what
0: skills can you? get what can you get from Visibly like exactly well both initially? i'd say probably a bit of resilience mm-hmm. off the mat but um why is it important because so so many times so there's this one side yoga is not just that mm-hmm. yeah so yoga is not splits and handstands in this
1: mm-hmm.
0: but yoga is also that and they serve a purpose
1: mm-hmm. so i think for me that, what purpose yeah. do
0: they have this this whole challenging challenge part of the practice
1: yeah, for me, the whole purpose of the the asana and the physical practice was just that connection into my body and um, learning to support myself. You know, um, like I think the first time I executed chaturanga or Shisathana at the headstand was um, like really kind of comforting, kind of like you know. I can I can stand on my own head. I can so I can hold myself up with my body. And I think that's what the more challenging poses do give you, that kind of just sense of empowerment. That sense empowerment, of empowerment Yeah. You know, right? right.
0: That's a good one. Mm. Self-belief, empowerment. Yeah. And on the other hand, when you don't get them, when you work towards them, just yeah, again, patience,
1: I guess. That patience, perseverance. Um, I mean, and do you know what a lot of the time with these things the final pose isn't what you think it's going to be you know it's it's all it's always like to sound so cliched it's always the journey it's always the kind of the the skill that you learn and develop on the way there rather than the actual final asana teaching you anything else like again you know bakasana Crow pose is one of those ones that people really always kind of want to learn and practice and and then when you do it you're like Okay, just balancing on my hands. <laughs> <reading that> now, <laughs> cool, you know? Speaking of someone who's never gotten
0: to balance on her hands ever after four years of yoga. Is it four or five? Five years of yoga, I think. And I still don't balance on anything. So yeah, I've I think I've acquired more of the patience than the the, yeah. the the self um self-discipline and all of that. Um so in terms of meditation and and seeing presence and how is how does vinyasa become different than other other practice? Because every style of yoga has a way of uh, keeping your mind and body connected.
1: And yeah, so I mean, like we often kind of associate our movement practice with um, our breath practice as well. That you know you'll hear about the the yoga breath supporting your body and a lot of your movement. And um, for the vinyasa asana, it's uh, really like deeply intertwined it's but there's quite a, a choreography between your movement and your inhale and exhale and that's not to say that it's one breath per pose or anything like that but you kind of um you kind of kickstart your asana practice with developing a rhythm to your breath and you use a kind of a a nice kind of strong Ujjayi breathing, which brings that kind of support into the into the pelvis and into the core of your body. Um, and then you link it to the poses and the movement as you transition around your mat. So it becomes like a moving pranayama um, once everything falls into place and your alignment is there and your detail is there. Um, and then you have to have your mind focus there, so it keeps returning you to this moment right now and then this moment right now and bringing you into your hands and bringing you into your feet and it becomes very much, um, you know, very much a present practice.
0: Mm. You have no time for distraction. but well, you want to miss it?
1: Yeah, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, it, you know, people could disagree and say, you know, my mind totally floats off, and you know, some salutations. But I don't think so. I think you know the 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 breath and the flow is really, really beautiful. And um yeah, it's, it's nothing quite like it. Nothing quite like <laughs> it. I love that your
0: passion for vinyasa. <laughs> um and I think one day I said, Oh, if you're a beginner, don't go to vinyasa. And you were like, No. <laughs> so <laughs> let's go back to that. Uh, you have a very strong opinion about beginners being able to do vinyasa. Um, and yeah, no, I mean I
1: don't like completely disagree with that statement. Like a lot of times I would be like, you know what? It's not like it's not a bad it's idea. Not,
0: I, what I mean, beginners, I mean, it's you've never done a yoga. Yeah, you don't even know what yoga is. You join into a vinyasa class and you see this way yeah. of moving
1: that you're not familiar with. I think like if you're a beginner, you could go to a beginner's vinyasa class. But I wouldn't, if you've never done any yoga before, I wouldn't recommend dropping into a vinyasa class. Drop into a vinyasa, yeah.
0: start with. Um, and how? accessible, would you say it is? Because now, of course, like we have to adapt everything yeah. for injuries. We have to adapt for different abilities. And how accessible is Vinyasa and how accessible can it become in
1: the future? I think it's massively accessible. Because, <laughs> really? Oh, no, super, I love that. Yeah, OK, I, mean, I like well, particularly I don't do anything super. I have to like, have this habit of saying super before words. I started saying it as a joke and then stuck. And I'm like super. Um, I don't create like crazy challenging Asana in my practice. Um I mean warrior three half moon, maybe revolved half moon, you know, but um there's not a massive amount of really challenging Asana work. Um, and one of the reasons for is because I emphasize the flow part of the practice, so I want to create transitions that are accessible Same I want to yeah make it really easeful and you can't really do that if you're going very very deep into a, a twist or if you're balancing on your arms or if you're coming into a bind in the shoulders now not to say there's they're not there there are versions of those poses there but um like this morning sequence um there was 18 people in class and there was like a variety of people who some very experienced, some who were quite new to the practice, but everything was like just a variation of stepping forward, stepping back, twisting to the left, opening to the right, you know, and um, so it was really available to everybody, but still mm. brought in that kind of heat and fire and challenge as well. And um, I love the idea that beginners would go to a beginner's vinyasa class or Hatha and learning the kind of the blueprint and the scaffolding, because I think that happens first, especially in a uh, vinyasa class. You need that kind of original like scaffolding to your practice and then you can, you know, layer it on with the, the yeah. actual building work. Yeah. Yeah. To <laughs> just to just branch decorations, out decorations. Know? Yeah. So, um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm quite, um passionate about it being very detailed and specific and not like not alignment driven in the sense that it's like oh your knee has to be 90 degree angle or oh, your arms have to be exactly at this position but alignment where that it's just the optimal alignment for your body and for your shape and how it feels if you're able to breathe in it if you're able to support and hold yourself you know so i think that that is the essence of being able to create uh, a vinyasa that everybody feels supported and healthy and knows where they're going or the direction they're moving and we can just intensify it a little bit of course (laughs) i love it Intensify just a little bit just a little bit
0: um if you had kind of like your your dream um group of students would it be someone who who's been to every single class or a course or or something where would you do it? Of course, I going to say no, no, not, <laughs> not not to say names or anything. No, I'm just saying, would it would it have to be like if you wanted to practice vinyasa, um, would you have to do a course from start to finish to practice one flow? No, or adding on. No, no, that's I not necessary. No, I,
1: I love the variety, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have. There's not like a group. That I'm like, oh, this is my favorite group because they know what they're doing. Something okay. like that, you know, And because regardless, I think of thing, if people are, you know, very familiar or walking for the first time. I think it's my job to set them all up till they all meet in that kind of same level you know initially they aren't at the same place but you know halfway through the class everybody's on the same level and everybody's moving the same direction Mm. and everybody's breathing at the same time and then it becomes like a collaboration it becomes something that you know that we're all relying on each other to support this kind of um, space that we're breathing into and moving into and that's where what creates like the real magic and I found that over COVID I loved that we were able to immediately go online and meet online. And it was there was something so lovely about like teaching online and seeing like all these little boxes of people in their homes and moving at the same pace and breathing at the same time. But um, and I thought, oh, this is great, it, it works, you know. But then once we all came back to the studio, I thought, oh, this is special. Being in the same room and having that space together and feeling that you have that reliance on each other.
0: I love that, and there's uh, there's something that when we did our training in Marbella, when I did my flow training with you and Susan, there was something about the birds that I keep forgetting. <laughs> mm. There was something with vinyasa and stuff. Flow the birds, and
1: and then... yeah. So it was the idea that um, if you're watching, like a murmuration of, it's not swallows. What are they again? Starlings. Oh, so starlings do this like beautiful kind of um. Murmuration in the sky, where they all kind of like move wave like, and they appear to kind of keep the same distance between each other. And um, it's said that they are able to identify the direction they're going by like the tilt or the lilt of the you know wing of their partner beside them. Wow, you know, so so they can create this like lovely wave like and flow, and uh, and it, it's similar to how when we move together because. When you are with a group of people, you move better. You know, like if then if you're at home you're kind of struggling. So if you've got like a, a flow sequence like that and everybody's breathing and moving to the right, moving to the you're picking up signals all around you. You're um, identifying what the person behind you is doing, you know, what the person to your left is doing, whether you're aware of it or not. You're just able to um, identify the amount of space between your arm and their arm. And then you bring that awareness of spaciousness between you and them and you can bring it into the awareness of space between your elbow and your wrist and then you could bring that spacious awareness into your rib cage and your hip you know so it all kind of has this lovely kind of subtle awareness of movement everywhere it's like a vibration
0: oh I think that's my favorite thing about it (laughs) sounds amazing so it's not just like the pleasing choreography yeah, of people moving together, but there's actually much more under that. There's yeah, so much I mean, more in that connection. Like,
1: like I, there's always a, pl- a point that when I'm teaching that I love, where I just become invisible. That it doesn't matter if I'm there or not. That everybody has just taken the cues and they're gone with it. You know, and I'm like, great. Right, That's, that the, best part, That's the best it? part, isn't it? It's like
0: you build it up to that moment. Yeah, and that moment when everybody's just taking flight. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's it, just mm. literally. Oh, I love that. Brilliant. And speaking of uh, the best part, um, what would you say is your favourite or your um, biggest win? Um, what would you celebrate most about your journey up to now? And um, and that can mean, you know, before starting um, your yoga teacher training or, or, yeah. or since
1: then? The biggest win i mean i'm i'm really proud that i'm still doing this 15 years later you know i never meant to do it full time um but i i love that i am and um and i mean i'm i'm probably i can be a bit resistant to things (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so i i'm quite proud and i love that i love that every year i love the 200 hour teacher training more you know that becomes so much more dear to me every year I do it
0: so do you think that your future might be more in teaching teachers rather
1: I than think so yeah I mean I, I don't ever want to give up classes because I love them but um I mean I I, I love the teacher training as well and there's something a there's been a bit of a, a shift as well with the people who sign up with the teacher training, it's just so there's so many more reasons for people to be like, actually, I just want to learn a little bit more about it. So I love those discussions and seeing where people are coming in from and, and just getting a little bit deeper because as well, life is so freaking busy and we only have those one hour classes and it's hard to, you know, it's hard to get everything across to everybody. So I, t- I totally get it when somebody's like, look, I have no interest in teaching, but I, I want to know a bit more about it. So I want to do the 200 hour. I'm like, yeah, that
0: makes sense. That makes sense. That's that's the only reason I did my training. I had no idea I was going to teach. I had no intention of ever teaching when I did my first. Yeah, um, I just just wanted
1: to know. It's a total privilege to be able to have access to that, you know, and I think um, so I'm so honoured that I get to be a little bit a part of that as well.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And what would you say would be the most challenging moment of your of your career or your journey again from up to this point? Um, what makes it challenging to be, you know, where you are or or getting here? I guess.
1: I guess the challenge is and I, I don't know, I'd say most teachers would agree that it's it's not the easiest route to do it full time, you know? Like it's um, so as a job. As a as
0: job a profession. It's
1: it is it is hard. You're kind of you know, sometimes I find it difficult to switch off, actually. Um, and you do have to remember that if you are going to go into teaching, I think like, you know, so many people find it as a practice initially like, oh, my God, it saved me and it brought me home to myself. And I found peace. I think I'm going to teach. And then two years later, they're like, I'm so stressed. Out. I'm so burnt out. Yeah, you know? I'm stressed. So I think that's the thing. I mean, I sometimes um, find it difficult to switch off from my job because it's also very much Part of the identity <laughs> part of your passion yeah. and
0: what you love doing mm-hmm. and how
1: very very good so like that's if i do like if i have a weekend off or if i go away generally you, you know i won't have my phone on or I, I won't be like online or anything like that you know because you're much better I'm, in a
0: much better place than i am <laughs> in that way i never switch off I plug out completely otherwise i'll be like i'll just have a little look you need to have some boundaries yeah, yeah. yeah. so for anyone uh, listening who always th- thinks all of this sounds magical and <laughs> beautiful That's they have I'm to saying, consider hey, i
1: have like interns with me today yeah <laughs> and yeah. They we're like it looks like it's a really relaxing it's job. a magical <laughs>
0: job absolutely yeah except you never switch off but and uh, mm-hmm. it's very hard to do it full time and yeah I, w- I would definitely say if you're considering this, just diversify and do, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Which is, yeah. that is really helped me. That's
1: why I got into the Pilates and the bar because I was like, yeah, something just else that I, yeah, a little bit more.
0: We never even got into the palaces and the bar parts, for sure. (laughs) We we know, you know, what's your passion and it's vinyasa and what you enjoy doing and love doing. And we're coming towards the end. So if there, um, what would you think? Because we talked about quite a few things. If there were only one thing you'd like people to take away from today's conversation, what would that be? Um,
1: I think just to just to really, if you you know if you are a yoga practitioner if you are an asana practitioner um just to find the the joy um in your movement and to really celebrate it And if you're not, then find a yoga class.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I was just going to say, if you're if you're listening an absolute, absolute um, beginner or never considered or always considered, but never actually stepped in, what would be your advice? Like,
1: um, Mm, well, don't expect to, you know, to love it. Don't expect the teacher to give you something. It's a practice that you do on your own, whether you're at home on your own, whether you know you're 30
0: people in a class. Yeah, it's it, yours.
1: It, it's yours. It's yours. Like, and I think that's, again, something I always try to emphasize in my classes, particularly at the end of the near the end of the class when people are moved to the sequence. It's like, you know, don't um don't like replicate the movement that I'm doing. Don't like try and just think about creating a similar style like find your own very unique and personal way of moving like and what have you carried in with you today how is that affecting your breath how is it affecting how you move like what can you drop what can you let go like it's so beautifully unique and personal and that it's it's like something that's just really exciting you know yeah yeah definitely sometimes it's scary
0: because you just want to be taught you just want to be led you just want to uh, yeah Go into a room and then just forget all about it. Just do whatever you want. Yeah, but unfortunately, that's not yoga. And if, if you go into it with that idea, you might not go back. Like you might, yeah, might be yeah. disappointed.
1: Yeah, but give yourself just a little time to taste it.
0: Very good. Thank you so much. Where can we find you? Where do you hang out? Um, Social media website. And so um, what are
1: you up to next? My Instagram is Susie Mary Yoga. Uh, my Website is Susie Murray Yoga. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my Facebook is Susie Murray Yoga. <laughs> um, and next, I have the 300 hour coming up actually with the Elba Room um, Manor Picture House in the next little while. This It's starting this year. I can't remember the dates exactly. I have a retreat coming up in Chamonix. Ooh, which is, oh, lovely. I the week long and uh, that's on the 4th of May. And it, and is the retreat vinyasa or would, yeah, it, would it be a mix? Of? It's, a, it's a little it's a little mixed. It's not like I mean, I always kind of feel it's a retreat. So I don't do full on hardcore like let's work out everybody kind of thing. But so it's a real introduction to some pranayama um a little bit of a flow style in the morning. And then every evening, like restorative or yin and meditation practices. Very nice. Um, and it's just a, a week of you know, beautiful hikes and like in the mountains and really, really great food and nice chill out time. So it's lovely. Uh, Sounds amazing. Yeah, We're going to check that out. Thank you so much,
0: Susie, for coming on. You so much. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, please give it a five star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.